Hi, everyone. You're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. My name is Gaia Lamperti, and today I'm joined by Liam Healy, Managing Director at Diligent, a provider of modern governance. Hi, Gaia. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us. So, in today's complex world, strong governance practices can support data-driven decisions and lead to better outcomes. I've read through diligent research, actually, that organizations that practice modern governance outperforms competitors by 15%. How this happens concretely and what are some of the tangible returns company can, can see when they apply strong governance practices? Thanks, Guy. Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. Um, and working backwards from what are the returns of of good governance or modern governance? Um, I actually think uh, if I could pull the the lens back a little bit, governance risk and compliance hasn't changed a whole lot over the last couple of hundred years. Um, it hasn't been it hasn't had the seat at the table as its returns attaching to the corporate uh, corporate strategy. Um, and when you hear public companies provide their analyst calls every quarter or private companies as they work with their investors or institutional investors, or even not-for-profits and charities or mission-led businesses talking to their stakeholders, haven't always tied their results to corporate governance or governance risk and compliance. And it really is a shift in society. The shift of stakeholder capitalism, right? The different stakeholders of, of an institution and their mission, whether that be investors and shareholders, whether it be customers, whether it be employees, are demanding that organizations do the right thing and get out of just looking at the financial metrics, but also the non-financial metrics that drive a business. And so tying modern governance or tying corporate governance or even the broader lens of, of governance, risk, and compliance back to those um, is imperative for organizations that want to continue to grow. And what we mean by that uh, is very specifically what makes it hard is the decentralized nature, depending on the size of an institution, the decentralized and fragmented nature of information, and that is data and documents. Um, around the world, in some cases, for big uh, multinationals, makes it really difficult for organizations that have a mission, that have a vision, to then take that information and bubble it up to the right people at the right time so that they can carry out their fiduciary duties that aligns to the growth of a business. And growth could mean revenue growth. It could mean development of people and personnel. It could mean growth for customers. It could mean individual growth for people within the business. Um, but tying that back is really hard. And the operators of the business, right, the C-suite, the executive teams, the people that have to carry out the, the, the job of corporate governance or risk of compliance, gathering all that information to make the best decisions at a time is hard when it's so decentralized or fragmented. Directors of those businesses, the individuals that oversee and sit on boards and committees that help to guide organizations to those results, it's really hard to ask the best questions if you don't have the right information at a given time, especially in the changing landscape of things like um, ESG. And so the really tangible ways for organizations to leverage um, technology in their uh, modernizing of governance, risk, and compliance practices is to build the foundation um, of people, processes, and systems in place with the right technology that, that helps to lead towards an end result. 
And that end result will look different for every business. Um, in some businesses, it might be double revenue growth or adjusted EBITDA and profit. It might be in other organizations, it might be increased volunteerism and donations, right? And that's a pretty wide spectrum of what right looks like for every group. But they have to be coming at it from a lens of the results that you mentioned and working backwards to put the processes, the foundation uh, in place. Uh, the roles and responsibilities and the technology that act as a force multiplier to get to those end results. So we couldn't opine that one result is right for everyone, but we think that we can help meet them. Diligent can help meet them where they are on their governance risk compliance journey and then work with them as they grow and evolve. Very interesting and quite fascinating, I'd say. More specifically, when it comes to financial services, how does diligence offering work and what are some of the main focus areas aiming at navigate the current landscape of ever-changing regulation? Yeah, wow. Um, great, great question and, and multiple questions inside of, uh, of the question, right? It can go a lot of different places. If it's okay, let me break it up a little bit about the way we, we think about it. Uh, FSI or financial services in particular being a segment and or a, a specific category, if you were to break that into a two by two box of regulated, highly regulated or not, um, and size, right? And so what type of an institution is it and how big are they? You can fit financial services in that upper right-hand quadrant of highly regulated, scrutinized by regulatory bodies, um, and depending on their size um, and how canvas the globe, there are lots of consequences and opportunities. Um, and so leveraging governance risk compliance um, and specifically diligent in our technology to kind of take, you know, to, to really get on the front foot of opportunities or to protect against the implications or the consequences of getting it wrong is important and very real. And so with that as the backdrop, um, I'll give you a couple of real, real specifics um, as we think about it. The sheer volume, and I think we'll probably talk about it in a little bit around uh, AI and machine learning and robotics in general, but the sheer volume of information and change in the regulatory landscape is staggering and nearly impossible for any human or team of humans to keep up with. The implications of that in FSI around compliance and regulatory landscape on things like ultimate beneficial owners, senior manager regime, anti-money laundering, all the way through the supply chain right? The pieces that these organizations, specifically within finance, that they have to keep up with, not just for themselves, but for their downstream suppliers, is one category of uh, hard areas to solve for, right? Not, not only where do you keep all of that information, but how do you tie it together when the internal and external obligations of say, um, ultimate beneficial ownership, uh, where you know entities might have to provide a list of the ultimate beneficial owners of an organization or institution, depending on the jurisdiction. Um, if someone were to walk in off the street as a stakeholder and want to see that list, they could. That's hard to be able to produce and keep track of, especially if an organization is of any size of scale. That is a very real challenge. But now when you start to layer in topics like ESG and uh, what are the climate and sustainability challenges, what are the socioeconomic challenges, what are the diversity challenges that sit amongst committees, for example, maybe it's the exact remuneration committee or an audit committee, um, what does the makeup of those directors and those boards look like? That landscape is changing. Digitalization, that landscape is changing. Uh, all of those pieces are particularly tough with our multinationals and specifically within finance. Um, it get, the, the reason that 
we typically have conversations and we work with over 70% of the FTSE 100 and over 50% of the Fortune 500. The conversations that we have with some of the largest um, you know, banks and financial services groups in the world is we'll never have nirvana, right? We're never going to have everything in one system, probably, right? That's just hard given the size and scale of enterprises. But how do we get this information surfaced to the right people at the right time so that they can ask the best questions or make the best decisions? And around the regulatory landscape, for example, as the DOJ in the U.S. starts to bring to life um, SEC uh, regulatory policy on ESG and what will be demanded from a reporting and disclosure standpoint will mean those organizations that can do it, and the finance organizations are at the top of the list, those that can report and disclose on ESG will be at the top of the game. And those that cannot, simply money will dry up. Um, capital will not be uh, available. Um, and so that's a big challenge that we can help with. Our technology can kind of help bring into one place, can house in one place, can collate, can get to the right people at the right time so that they can manage it. On the diligence side, what are some of the challenges you guys face working with international companies, global companies, when it comes to the fragmentation we still see in regulatory systems across the world and across several industries? How do you guys tackle that? And then what's your approach? The challenges that we typically see are that it's an evolution. The, the digitalization of just an antiquated model in general across the globe, and it's not just financial services, but but many organizations are still early on in their journey of, of modernizing their governance risk technology practices and getting them into one place and then being able to not just report on them, but you know disclose in different manners to different sets of stakeholders, um, keep that information secure. That's just hard, right? No matter no, no matter way any which way you cut it, that's difficult. And what makes it particularly difficult is the different stakeholders that play a part internally at an organization um, to manage it, like any matrix or any organization. The complexities that uh, that sit within an institution is hard. Who manages the information? What are the roles and responsibilities? Uh, how does process rest securely? How does it uh, how does it manage through a system or a sit, uh, move in transit securely? All of those are are, are very hard. Typically, one of the biggest challenges that we have, I'll actually give, I'll give you two, and I'll use ESG as a backdrop because many organizations, as they're going through this digital transformation, are thinking about ESG and thinking about new non-financial metrics to put in place. Uh, the first is any sort of a materiality assessment. What matters to the organization, right? So, so sitting with a, a project manager internally or a team, right, a tiger team, if you will, a team of individuals that will have to say, this, these are the objectives of the institution. This is how it maps back to our strategic goals um, and laying out the process by which they have to make changes, uh, implement technology as a force multiplier of a good process and a good strategy. That is hard, right? And a materiality assessment in ESG, for example, is you know, early days, still many organizations saying that they are on the front foot of thinking about it. They are even doing it in some cases, but have they really tied it to their corporate strategy? So the front end of any good project, right, being the strategy and the layout of what you're going to do is hard, especially when you um, add multi multiple different people and in some cases, personalities, um, that's difficult. The second piece is structuring typically in, in you know, the large multinationals, structuring unstructured data or information is hard. <laughs> um, bringing that all into a place with a purpose that then can be managed and not just managed, but assessed over time 
and replicated and reported upon is difficult. And one of the things that, you know, and thank you for asking how Diligent helps um, with that is, you know, we have the platform that can ingest information. We have, um, we have the robotics, we have the technology. Um, I'm surprised we still call it robots sometimes, um, but we have the robotics that can take the information in when taught to learn um, can start to structure unstructured data from many different places and put it into a way that's more digestible for teams to manage. And a real example of that is, you know, we talked a little bit about the obligations earlier um, around any regulatory requirement, right? Internal or external um, policy or regulatory requirements, the obligations that an audit team might have to come in an internal audit oversee or the controls team has to be able to report on um, and the risk team have to be able to report on upward what's working, what's not, how they're going to remediate those plans and um, putting those in one place that, that organizations can kind of see in a heat map, what's on target, what's moving, what's working, what's not, and be able to easily report on that. That is diligence bread and butter. Um, that is what we do very well. And that's, um, that's what we do for our 22,000 clients. So many inputs coming from this answer. So let's start by mentioning the fact that you just said how difficult it is to organize data, read data, and digest all this data. And, you know, AI comes in, but of course, with all the amazing opportunities that uh, AI arises, there are also risks, difficulties in the way companies sometimes manage AI. Because of course, by now we know that AI is not the solution to all our problems. So I would really like to hear your perspective on this. Some topics that uh, I certainly won't go um, too far into. I think there are experts in the area, but I can certainly give my opinions on the topic. Um, I We've looked at this extensively. I think um, artificial intelligence and or machine learning, um, which are, are different things, are no different years ago than to our move from papers and pencils to Excel spreadsheets to um, uh, computers and technology, right? They are advancements in how to digest information, structure it, and allow for us or present human intervention the opportunity to play an insightful and thoughtful role in decision-making. And I'd be really surprised in three or five years if we don't see um, this category and particularly take rote or manual tasks of information in systems and be way further ahead than we are today. There are very, very few teams of humans that are going to get through that in a uh, a materially beneficial way. But a machine can go through that very quickly and highlight Um, roles, responsibilities, anomalies, changes in obligations, for example. But it's not going to yet make the decision for you. It's not going to take um, inference, as an example, yet into how that information can help play a role in strategic decision-making for an institution. I think what we're finding with AI and machine learning is that it provides, it raises the floor on and the expectations for what human intervention will have to provide from being insightful or thoughtful about the decisions that we have to make. And I think what it will do is start to take inefficient rote tasks and be able to perform most of those for us, um, or at least provide us an output that makes um, humans way more efficient and thoughtful in areas that we need to be spending our time. And so, you know, it's it's often a, um, a force multiplier in prioritization. Um, And so we've seen organizations really leveraging 
bringing AI in and allowing for it to start to learn from a machine learning standpoint, you know, anomalies in contracts or anomalies in uh, regulatory change and allowing them to then say, here is the materiality of liability, for example, um, that could have really far downstream effects um, to a business that, 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 you know, have real, real implications that they are leveraging that technology for. If to the second part of your question, I think it's like anything else, if not structured in a way and pointed in the right direction with a clear set of um, purpose and process around it, I think the machines will do what they're asked to do and will provide us back with information. And if the combination of human intervention and machines aren't working together in a, in a, towards a purpose um, and neither or either knowing their role in that, in that process, I think the output won't be as optimal as the organization wants it to be. I don't know that. Um, and, and obviously with any, anything without human intervention, a big risk would be that we're, uh, teams are putting it on autopilot and expecting one result and aren't able to forecast a better or more predictable result. Great. Thanks for that. And lastly, as we mentioned it a couple of times during our conversation, in the ESG landscape, as Diligent is working closely with many companies around ESG goals and commitments, what would you say are the top priorities now that most influential companies are focusing on right now? Biggest topics that we typically see are climate, right? So from the environmental standpoint, the cl uh, climate is the easiest piece. And depending on what easiest, the easiest identity and have to report on is tougher. But, you know, uh, scope one, scope two, scope three emissions uh, is a big topic. That's one. On the social piece, certainly diversity and inclusion are big pieces. The societal topics around that um, have been moving for some time, but we're really starting to see organizations measure it. Remuneration and gender pay, right? Big, big topics um, that we typically run into. From a governance standpoint, it's simply having the processes and the technology um, in many cases in place that uh, directors and executives are accountable for good governance. Uh, so business, right? It's not a nice to have anymore. So those are the biggest topics. That's only going to continue to advance. And as, as organizations grow, they are going to have to decide what are the topics to them that mean the most to their stakeholders. And the, those will be more evident as you'll see in any P&L, if you're a publicly traded company, you know, in a P&L that's published, organizations will see more of, uh, stakeholders will see more of non-financial metrics published so that they can see what are the results that these institutions are making. And you know, shareholders will vote with their wallet and customers will vote with their decision-making to work with vendors and employees will work with uh, vote with who do they want to work for. I think you're already seeing some of that now as we come out of the pandemic. That was brilliant, Liam. Thank you for your time and thank you for joining us today.